do we properly appreciate who we really are? And do we appreciate how important it is to properly appreciate who we really are? This is Rabbi Yitzhak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We're up to the Torah portion of Vayechi, the final Parsha of the book of Rashi, the book of Genesis. And with Vayechi, a close to basically the story of creation through the creation of the founding elements of the Jewish people. We've gone from the actual creation of the world to the development of the world, the populace of the world, and Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. We come to the close of the life of Yaakov as he kind of preps the next generation to continue on and the close of the life of Yosef. And a fascinating idea, which is really expressed in the work Sichos Musar of Chaim Shmulevitz on next week's Parsha of Shmos, a fascinating idea that we must bear in mind when looking at this transition, right? The end of the life of Yaakov and the end of the life of Yosef were here in Egypt. And at this point, in this book, we only know of a shift. We lived in the land of Israel. Now we live in the land of Egypt, suffering a famine in Israel, no longer suffering that famine while we're in Egypt. And everything seems basically A-OK. Of course, the next book is going to have everything shift quite radically to servitude, slavery, great despair, and then everything that will follow with the exodus and beyond. We're right now at this transition. We're at the close, this juncture, when things have been all right and it's about to change dramatically. Well, that change does not take place in the lifetime of Yaakov or in the lifetime of Yosef, or interestingly, even in the lifetime of Yosef's brothers or that whole generation. It's going to happen when the generation of Yosef and his brothers is no longer alive, then we're going to have the shift. And explaining the background to the shift and helping us get some perspective at the same time on the greatness of Yosef and the technique that Yosef used to preserve his greatness. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz shares the following very interesting insight. He says that the transformation towards slavery could only happen based really on the words of the Or HaChayim HaKadosh on next week's Parsha, that the transformation can only happen when Egypt no longer viewed Israel as distinguished. When in the eyes of the Egyptians, there was a certain sense of, of pride, a certain sense of kavod, honor, dignity, respect, the Egyptians could not put down the nation of Israel when the nation of Israel had a certain aura of respect. When that changed, and that is significant uh, in terms of the the weakness, the, the breakdown that happened within the Jews living in Egypt, when they no longer displayed themselves with the air of nobility and a regal nature, and they no longer were seen as distinguished and respectable, then it became possible for the Mitzrayim, for the Egyptians to start pushing against them and to try pushing them down, which they naturally might have wanted to do all along, but simply could not do when we had that idea of kavod, of honor and respect. This idea, Rukhan Shemlevis describes, we have a very interesting description and a very different topic as to how we understand the need to maintain a sense of dignity and self-respect. When dealing with witnesses in a courtroom, and we are trying to ascertain that the witnesses are telling the truth. 
We're trying to uh, determine the veracity of their words and the degree to which their testimony matches up to witnesses are being cross-examined. And we tell them, aside from the questions and the analysis, we tell the witnesses that understand that Adam, beginning of our book of Bereshus, Adam was created alone. Remember, way back at the beginning, Adam, and then there's a, a shift from Adam himself to turn him into Adam and Eve. But initially, Adam is on his own, and he's certainly not part of a society or of a global population. He's created Yechidi Lulamdecha to teach you that the elimination of one life, the value of one life, eliminating the Nefesh Achas Me Yisrael is like Ibid Olamali, like destroying a whole world. And so man can declare Bishvili Nivraha Olam. The world was created for me. Even for one individual, God creates a world. The Rambam, in addressing that concept, says that these words, the words that we are telling him about the uniqueness of man, the man being created alone, and the world would be worth it for one individual, that's part of the process of trying to secure that the witnesses will tell the truth. And quoting Rashi over there, that the person should think to himself, Chashuv anik olamale, I am as significant as an entire universe. Lo olam achas. I'm not going to want to ruin that all for one sin. So to try to drive home to a person, be cautious that you not be doing something wrong in this here courtroom, recognize just who you are, just how big you are, just how significant you are. Don't let that all dissipate because of this failure over here if you are intending to do anything that is corrupt, uh, illegitimate in your testimony. This idea that a person should recognize, I am like the world or like the universe, will draw a person away from sin. And as Rebbe Chaim Shemlevis describes, we have a precedent for this. We have Yosef himself doing this. When he was, when the, the wife of Potiphar was attempting to seduce him, the, the Medrash describes, uh, the, with this, the nuance in the text itself, but the Medrash elaborates on the method Yosef used to be able to avoid and evade her. And the Medrash says, Yosef declared, the way God operates with my family, he has once taken a member of my family, of my ancestry, and dedicated him as an offering. Referring to Yitzchak, Yosef's grandfather, who was ready to be an offering. God had declared him this Ola. Am I going to mess myself up and make myself invalid to be an offering to God? He continues another statement in the Medrash. He said, God appears to my family. He appears to them in prophecy. Am I going to defile myself and preclude that possibility of a prophecy? And he describes that there's a greatness in my family, a greatness who I am. This is not haughtiness. This is recognizing self-worth, recognizing my value, recognizing my importance, and not being ready to let that dissipate and, and dissolve into nothingness through a tragic error because I'm too big to let myself fail. One more element of what Rechaim Shmulevitz includes in that essay is a fascinating perspective. The Talmud describes Talmud and Sota that to sin requires a certain sense of nonsense. And the terminology actually is a person would not sin unless an element of 
foolishness has taken over, has come into himself and permeated himself. So he's a fool. Well, if he's a fool to do a various element of an offense against God, if it's foolishness, well, then why aren't we off the hook? If we fail, the real fool, the person who does not have the capacity to think clearly, a person who unfortunately doesn't have the cognitive capacity, the shota, is off the hook for his errors. Why are we not similarly all off the hook? If we're all in a state of being a shota, we, we should always be able to plead insanity with every error that we make. And no comment on the degree to which that plea is utilized today, but there is ultimately all societies recognize that there is a person who simply is not capable of making proper decisions. So if the Talmud is describing that in order to sin against God, you must be insane, why don't we have the legitimate plea of insanity? Rav Chaim Shlavis explains that ultimately, the um, paraphrasing the text over here, if a person stands next to an open pit, he real, has to realize that if there's a strong gust of wind, I'm at risk. I'm literally standing at the edge of the pit. I'm standing at the edge of the cliff. In advance of walking over to that cliff, in advance of walking over to the edge of the pit, a reasonable person will keep a distance or put up a security barrier to not allow himself to be carried away. So one must take steps in advance of being in that situation where now, of course, something can blow and knock you over. The Ruach Shtus, that sense of foolishness can take you over. But there are steps you do in advance to not allow that to happen. The steps you do in advance are the recognizing of just who you are. You don't want to destroy yourself. You value your physical life so you don't go too close to that dangerous spot. You value your spiritual self. You don't get too close to the possibility of sin. Surely, once you're in that mode, you're in that zone, you might be taken over by something that is compelling and is going to carry you into that sin. But why did you go in there in the first place? This common theme of recognizing who we are to protect ourselves, what Yosef does to protect himself from the wife of Petifar, in general, we have to do to realize it's beneath me to do something that is petty and disturbing or, God forbid, defiant of God in our interpersonal realm to get involved in a petty feud to let this issue have my temper explode to let such a nonsense bring me down I'm too big for that if, if I have a senior post in a certain environment I don't want to be seen as making the same type of nonsensical mistakes as my underlings well we have to view ourselves as in a senior post, as in a distinguished post, as having distinct rank. If I were a, you know, the, the general in, in charge of the whole uh, military, I'm going to carry myself with a different air of dignity and self-respect. And without being pompous and, and putting others down, internally carry myself in a certain way so that I'm able to pull others up at the same time. Fascinatingly, this does not have to be a conflict with how we interact with the other. Because if I recognize what gives me this reason to have this self-respect, what gives me this reason to have this value? Oh, same elements that give you value as well. And to close with one more theme here in the book of Genesis, one more story that Rechaim Shalovitz makes note of in that essay, way back with Abraham, Avraham, three guests show up and initially they're described as standing over him. They're nitzavim alav. A few sentences later, it's who made Alehem, he is standing over them. 
in between their standing over him and his standing over them, initially they as angels are by definition standing over him, what happens then is him standing over them. When he does what he is expected to do for them, given the context, he is doing the act of hachnasas orachim, of welcoming the guests and providing for the guests and trying to feed them. And again, within the picture of what's happening over there, that it seems like they are people or are wanting to be treated like people, and I will host them like they are people. When he goes through that the midst of emotions and is providing for them, so he is, in a sense, acknowledging their greatness. He's humbling himself before them. And in so doing, he becomes elevated above them. And he becomes omed alehem. And he is higher than them. Both elements, that recognition that we have an internal greatness. And we have to respect that internal greatness. We have to be willing to acknowledge, live with that sense that we are special. And we owe it to ourselves to appreciate just who we are. We're descendants, just like Yosef said that statement, it applies to all of us. We're all descendants of that Yitzchak who was ready to be the offering to God. We may not be expecting to have prophecy tonight, but we are all descendants of a nation that had prophecy, and we all have capacity for a certain level of interfacing with God and being connected with God, and we don't want to lose that. We don't want to taint that. And at the same time, recognizing the greatness in others, our capacity to display our valuing of the other and our respect of the other, our appreciation of the other. And in so doing, we actually build ourselves further up as well. Hopefully, as we close this book, and uh, thankfully, we've gone through another cycle. Well, at least after this Shabbos, I've gone through the book of Gracious one more time. We declare that chazak, chazak, minit chazek. Let's take strength in what we have learned so far and carry further. Be strong to continue on. Take to heart the message of throughout this book. We became descendants of that Adam who was created totally individually. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this founding founding fathers in the founding stages of the development of Israel. Appreciate who we are. Appreciate who the other is. And be all the more likely to, together with each other, all achieve our tachlis.